Hello, and welcome back to First Focus, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, where we highlight the various current events and areas of ministry in the church. I'm your host, Troy Cash. This is our first episode of the new year, and as such, we thought it appropriate and wise to hear from our senior pastor, Dr. Derek Thomas. Dr. Thomas, how are you this morning? Actually, it's afternoon, Troy, but thank you ah, so much. Uh, I love that intro music. I'm, I'm just thinking the piano part is way more complicated than the trumpet <laughs> part. Just three notes. Right. Uh, it actually reminded me of uh, All Creatures Great and Small, uh, the original version. I, there's a new version, I, I'm told. Um, anyway, that was a diversion, but um, I'm, I'm good, glad to be here. That is okay. We're glad to have you. Also with us today is pastoral intern to the senior minister, Beck Oderson. Beck, glad to have you. How are you? Thanks, Troy. I'm doing well. Hope you are. I am. So, Dr. Thomas, I thought it might be lovely to hear a personal update from you. How are you and your family? Would you mind sharing some things God's doing in your life right now? Uh, Rosemary and I are doing well. I, I mean, like everybody else, we're just longing to get out of this COVID season. Uh, we are 68 years old. Well, I'm three weeks away from being 68 years old and, and just under the wire for that over 70 COVID vaccine. I've, I've had my sleeve rolled up now for like three weeks. Nobody has come and <laughs> given me a jab. I'm, I'm ready. I'm so ready for it. And... Um, uh, I think I think that the um, p- projection uh, is now heading for March for mm. uh, over 65s mm. and, and under 70s, and that's what I'm hearing. Just just longing to get past this stage. We are as a family, of course, we we are separated from our from our children and mm-hmm. grandchildren. And uh, if you're following the news, I mean, Britain, Scotland. Uh, is on a complete lockdown, mm. as as bad as it was back in June, May, June of last year, maybe maybe worse even. Uh, so, I haven't seen my grandchildren in a year and a half, maybe, and I haven't seen my mother in in a year and a half, mm. and it's going to be at least the summer before I see them, and maybe the fall. Uh, as it now stands, we would require a certificate of vaccination to enter. Uh, the UK, and I don't even know what that is. I can show them the scar on my <laughs> on my arm, perhaps. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's difficult. I mean, if if this was twenty years ago, because it would be worse, much worse. But at least we talked to them on FaceTime, uh, yeah, and text. And my mother, my ninety-two-year-old mother, um, has an iPad, and she texts and and emails. Maybe more texts than emails, and sure. uh, and she FaceTime, so we see her. Yeah, uh, she's just waiting for her vaccination. Mm. Uh, she's housebound and has been for several years, so somebody will come to the home uh, and give it to her. And uh, this time last week, she was saying it's going to be any day. So, but that day hasn't arrived <laughs> as of now. Uh, but um, soon, I hope. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think we've got a few things that we're going to talk about also today as far as what's coming up, congregational meetings, some of the things that we're going to be going through as a church in the sermon series. Yes. The first thing is the congregational meeting coming up in a couple weeks on January 31st, I believe, just two, three weeks away or so. First, we wanted to start with talking about what the purpose of congregational meetings are in general, why we have congregational meetings, 
and what we hope to accomplish through congregational meetings. Yes, well, of course, this is 2020 or now 2021. And uh, normally, uh, congregational meetings would be a Wednesday evening. There'd be a dinner, a very nice dinner, a free dinner. And uh, there would be three fifty, four hundred people maybe present, a quorum at least. Uh, so that in itself says that, you know, only a very small percentage of the church ever attend congregational meetings. And it's somewhat of a of a of an oddity within a Presbyterian form of church government where most decisions of any consequence are made by the session, the elders. But within Presbyterianism, there are moments when the congregation acts, for example, in calling a minister. That's a congregational vote. It's not a, it's not a session vote. Uh, and in this case, the congregational meeting is for the purposes, uh, fairly strict purposes, of adopting a budget and approving a church treasurer. And that's basically what the congregational meeting is about. So I think once in a blue moon, and, and not in my time, but, but a congregational member may rise to say something that may or may not be appropriate at a congregational meeting. <laughs> um, but typically, uh, there is no discussion, but, there's, but there is a, a fairly detailed examination of the budget. And it kind of makes sense since it's the congregation who supplies the budget but through their tithes and offerings. Uh, that they do have a say in how that is spent and to approve a budget for the coming year. And in 2021, it's, uh, it's, it's been tough. I mean, it's tough for every church in 2020. And we, uh, we will report at our congregation meeting that we made a surplus this year, a fairly typical surplus, but, but in 2020, uh, a, a good surplus of $200,000 above mm, wow. last year's budget. And that's been fairly the norm. I mean, it is so much the norm that we kind of depend on it in some ways. And, and that money has already been allocated in theory even before we knew that we would have that surplus. But there was, there was a moment, certainly in October, when we wondered if we would actually make the mm. budget. Uh, it's just a sign, first of all, of, of our wonderful congregation's generosity, mm. uh, particularly for those who haven't been inside the doors for 10 months or more. Uh, but they're still uh, faithfully giving. But it's also above that, of course, a sign of God's um, goodness and favor and grace to us. That's one more thing we don't have to worry about, mm. uh, which is which is wonderful. Um, th there are also other parts of the congregational meeting, uh, like the uh, corporation. And, and uh, you know, I need to be a lawyer to be able to explain this, but the corporation <laughs> is a separate entity uh, that oversee the administration of... Um, the property and and part and this is way too simplistic and and the lawyers now will write me emails i'm sure but but to to ensure that if the denomination for example uh were to go south theologically and we would find ourselves in the same place that we were back in 1982-83 when we felt uh, we had to leave the denomination because of theological reasons uh, that we would be able to leave the denomination with our property intact, that it's not held by uh, the presbytery or it's not held by the denomination, it's held by us. And in order for that, a separate entity 
corporation has to be formed to administer legally uh, all mm. of the assets uh, of First Presbyterian Church, mm. which are not inconsiderable, as you can imagine, in terms of uh, where we are situated within within the city. Sure. And mm. so we appoint officers uh, for that corporation, and, and that meeting generally lasts three minutes. Um, but this year, of course, we have to do it differently. And this year, uh, I mean, typically on a Wednesday evening, every year I give a kind of State of the Union address about our church and, and maybe project some visionary things for uh, the future. And, and that's going to be difficult to do on a Sunday morning. We won't have time for that. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to release a video, short video in the next week or so that one of you probably will be helping me <laughs> with uh, to, to facilitate that part of it. Well, thank you. Before we leave this section of the conversation, what's one or two things that our congregation can be praying for as we think about the congregational meeting and the budget and the things that we will consider then? Well, I think it's a moment to give thanks to God for his faithfulness and and that we do have a reconciled budget for next year. And, and that in many respects, if, if, if you were just looking at the budget, uh, you you probably wouldn't realize the only part of the budget from last year that you would look at without knowing that 220 had taken place is the fact that there were very that, that the loose offerings you know people who give in a plate when it goes around uh, and that would be some of our members but it would also be visitors and so on and typically that 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 amount is around I'm guessing 200,000 a year and this year it was probably more like 50,000 mm. because we haven't been passing plates right. for nine months. Uh, so so we lost income there, but we made up income elsewhere. And, and then our expenses, of course, were down for 220 because there were months when we weren't doing anything. And uh, at least not doing anything that required spending a lot of money uh, in terms of uh, food and, and, and stuff. Yes, I mean, giving thanks. But I, th- I think the main prayer request I have is is coming back, and, and presumably that's going to be sometime this year, uh, when when all of a sudden this is in the rearview mirror. And, you know, by that time, we will have learned a year's worth of habits that, that we now need to undo. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there are programs that we engaged in that we need to rethink. Were they the best things? I mean, it's not just simply the case of pressing the button and saying, let's go back to where we were. You know, maybe this is an opportunity to say, well, maybe we can do some things better than we did before. Yeah. And maybe that online stuff is a part of what we will do forever. But obviously there are in-person things uh, that currently are not taking place, and particularly among um, children and youth. Uh, college began... Uh, last last week sometime and it's been absolutely staggering to see I was in the balcony on Sunday evening for the first time in half a year maybe and I I counted maybe 35-40 college students and that's just wonderful but it's only the tip of the iceberg so so praying for re-entry and praying for re-entry in terms of you know the unity of our congregation. That's my burden, and mm. and we all have opinions, and 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 we've got every opinion under the sun in the session, and we've got every opinion under the sun in the congregation, and everybody wants to tell you what their opinion is, and and they're convinced that they're right, and and I'm way past science. I mean, I'm way past that. Whatever we need to do to get back in one piece or as 
in as much as one piece as we mm. can uh, possibly um, get. Uh, the, the one encouraging factor, and it's a hugely encouraging factor, is that in 220, um, we now have an inquirers class with over 50 people in it. Wow. And yesterday I met two couples who are not even in the inquirers class, but they, are, they, they have been attending us for the last four or five months and they were saying, we want to join this church. And, and the reasons are manifold as to what brought them here, but and, and I have absolutely no interest, zero interest in stealing sheep from elsewhere. Um, but if they come voluntarily and if this is where they feel the Lord now wants them, uh, we will welcome them. Uh, and and it's a it's a plus. It's a wonderful blessing. But I, I you know, I long. What's the line in that hymn? I long to see our churches full. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that update. A lot to be thankful for, for sure, for this last year, as as hard as it's been, uh, and even more to pray for as we continue mm-hmm. to try to progress through this. Well, shifting topics a little bit, we also wanted to talk about preaching and where we've been and where we're going, and we're finishing up soon this month, I think. Uh, your series on Peter, Molded by the Master's Hand. And I wanted to ask, what have been some personal highlights from this last series on, on Peter as you've preached through the life of the Apostle? You know, I've, I vaguely remember preaching on the life of Peter, not as extensive as this one, but but a shorter series. I would probably have been back in Belfast, so we're talking at least 25, maybe 30 years ago, and I, I don't remember any of it. Because um, I don't have notes... Uh, that, that I can sort of look at, but um, I, I vaguely remember preaching it. And I remember the reason I preached on it was because Glyn Owen, who had been a minister in Belfast and then uh, ended up being a Presbyterian minister in Toronto, and was a f- fairly well-known preacher name, you know, maybe, maybe 25, 30 years ago, uh, he wrote a book on the life of Peter, which I had read, this is 30 years ago, it was a very popular book, a lay-level book, uh, but it gave me the the thought, you know, maybe this would make a great series, especially in the summer. My habit has been more or less to preach lecture continuous style, that is, preaching through books verse by verse, beginning in verse 1 or chapter 1 and until you reach the last verse of the last chapter. And 35 years ago, 40 years ago, I, I would have chosen smaller passages than I do now. And these days I, I choose much larger passages for reasons that I won't go into here. But, you know, it's been difficult to know what to preach on in 2020, especially to mm. an audience um, uh, that I don't see. Uh, and that's a significant number of our, of our congregation. And I, I did a series on lockdown with nowhere to go uh, of about a dozen. You know, in 2020... COVID thing came in March, I was beginning a series on first-person sermons. And I, I only preached two of them. The first one was on um, Cain and Abel. Uh, and uh, the second one, I think, was on Noah, as I recall. And, and I, had, I had 10 more to go, including a woman, which was going to be interesting. Uh, the first one, I mean, people were, it was so different. And I, th- I had so m- I had more reaction from that first sermon than I had for any sermon I've ever preached in my uh-huh. entire life, except for my wife, who did, <laughs> who did not like them. And her friend in church 
also didn't like him. So there were two people in the church who didn't like the first persons. And she was horrified at the thought that, a, that I would actually do a first person sermon of a woman uh, that crossed the line for her. And I actually never go around to doing it. Um, you know, and instead, because we went into lockdown, I thought we need to do something entirely because it's going to be awkward doing first person, first of all, in an empty room. Uh, it, it just felt way too awkward. So I needed to kind of look into the camera a lot. Uh, and the first person sermon required a lot of notes to sort of keep the thing together. And I, I you know, I would be looking down more than I normally would because normally I just have a small sheet of paper with some head, headlines on it, headings on it. So I did the lockdown with nowhere to go series. And, um, I, you know, I've been contemplating, is, is that a book I should write? And I'm, I'm I probably may, but I'm also thinking about the life of Peter, um, molded in the master's hands, or mm. whatever I call the title, the series title. And I'm also thinking that I may I may write that up too. But it's been, you know, we talk about Paul so much, you know, as the dominant force in the New Testament, and Paul is a dominant force in the entire world, let alone in mm. the history of the world, let alone let alone the New Testament. But it's been wonderful to see, you know, I relate to Peter more than I do Paul. You know, Paul is a difficult man to get on with, I think. I think it'd be hard to work. It'd be hard to be an intern for the Apostle Paul. Because <laughs> Paul was always right. He had an opinion about absolutely everything. And he didn't take um, prisoners, you know, and he didn't take failure well, as is the case with um, John Mark. If it hadn't been for Barnabas, uh, we wouldn't have Mark's gospel. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, I think I think mm. we can say that. So, so Peter, with his ups and downs, and you know, he's he's on fire on one page, and then the next moment he's flat in his face. And I, I kind of identify with that, and uh, and that he would be actually the number one apostle in the first twelve chapters of Acts, uh, when when Paul isn't even a blip on the horizon. Uh, Plus, I've enjoyed doing what are more or less sort of narrative texts, you know, where there's a lot of background story to sort of fill in the picture, as it were. And I've always found that a whole lot easier to preach than, Mm. say, the current series on Wednesdays at first, which are Proverbs. Now, that Proverbs is, in fact, probably one of the most difficult genres Mm -hmm. to preach on. Because you need a lot of extra stuff to be brought in to kind of, okay, how am I going to fill 30 minutes here when I've only got two, two verses of a proverb that basically is teaching one, one lesson. And I, and I think that you need probably need to be an older preacher to be able to master. I'm not saying that I mastered it, but <laughs> I would feel as though I, did, I would do a better job on Proverbs now than I did 40 years ago. I do hope that the Life of Peter series, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping I can write it up and, and make it into a book. I think that'd be a, a great book idea. Shifting to what will come after Peter, I believe the next series you've said will be on the Psalms? Well, yeah, we, you know, we're still on lockdown, at least to some extent. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to project uh, at least into early summer, and I doubt that we will be fully back before early summer. At, w- at one time, I thought maybe we'll all be back at Easter, but I'm not convinced that that is necessarily the case. 
And therefore, I need a, a series that will take us up, say, to the summer vacation period. And I've always loved the Psalms. And whilst I've preached uh, on many individual Psalms at, at various intervals, and actually wrote a book on two books on the Psalms, one on the Psalms of Ascent, 120 through 134, and another on Psalms which reflect the sort of trajectory of the Christian life kind of thing. And I brought together a dozen or so Psalms. But this time I'm actually going to do it consecutively, which I've never ever done. And I thought I'd begin in the second book of the Psalms, beginning with Psalms 42 and 43, uh, while Thou cast down, I'm in the King James now, but why art thou cast down on my soul and why art thou disquieted within me? And, and, and uh, Psalm 43 mimics entirely a section of Psalm 42 and at one time they may have been together and were later separated and so on, all of that. But book two of the Psalms are more expressive of emotional responses than, say, book one. They delve into the heart and the emotional response, and I, I really want to, um, I really want to explore that a little. And and part of the reason is because we all have fairly explosive emotional uh, responses to the pandemic mm-hmm. and missing family and, and and other things. I mean that's true of life uh, generally, but but I think it's more true. Uh, right now and so they help from one point of view in that I can't guarantee in this season that people are going to be there every Sunday as as might have been the case a year ago so people are coming in and out because life is kind of complicated at the minute and so continuity is difficult and so working through a book is a, is a little more difficult now and I, and you know you can drop into Psalm forty three and then you may miss a Sunday or two and then I'm not this is not I'm not giving you absolution for missing Sundays but you understand <laughs> I'm talking two two twenty one stuff uh, and then you drop in in Psalm forty seven but you you know you haven't lost anything in in some sense you, you know each Psalm will be an entity of its own and that was part of my reasoning I mean in forty years ago as a young preacher I was I was Influenced not so much by what I thought the congregation needed, but you know, I'd read a book, a new, a new, easy, accessible commentary on Second Corinthians would come out. I'd read it in a week, and I think, boy, this is great. This would make a great series to preach on, but only because I really enjoyed it, but not because I thought the congregation actually mm. needed this at this time. And and I think now I. I'm, I try, by God's grace and by the help of the Holy Spirit, to try and discern, you know, what, what does the congregation mostly need right now? And, of course, the Psalms reflect something of our inner souls, and not just our inner souls, but actually Christ's inner soul, mm-hmm. uh, which is more important. And, um, you know, it's, it's poetry, and not everybody, you know, it's a left brain, right brain thing. And not everybody, you know, kind of digs poetry, you know. Some people are more into history and some people are more into give me the practical stuff. 
but poetry is kind of artsy and, and the Psalms are very artsy. I mean, they play with artsy sort of designs and, and uh, uh, acrostic designs and then the syllogistic designs and word plays and, and, and so on. And, and, and these are part of the wonderful sort of construction of the Psalms, which would be boring to a lot of people. It would be like poetry analysis classes, you know, back in <laughs> high school. But, uh, you know, I, I've long since held the view uh, that the meaning of a passage lies actually in its structure. Hmm. Uh, and I remember Alec Matia telling me that at a, you know, goodness, this is probably 35 years ago. I heard him uh, give a lecture 35 years ago and he kept saying, you know, the meaning of the passage is in the structure. And I thought, what? That's crazy. Uh, but actually, I've since been totally convinced that it's actually true. The structure <laughs> actually dominates the hmm. meaning of the passage. So I'm looking forward to some psalms together. What are maybe one or two psalms that you're most looking forward to? Well, book two, of course, contains some of the humdingers. Psalm 51. Oh, yeah. David's confession of sin and Bathsheba and all that stuff. There are some wonderful Christological psalms. Psalm 47, for example, is is a messianic psalm. uh, And there are a few others. Uh, Psalm 56, I think, plays an enormous role in Romans 8. If God be for me, who can be against me? Mm. Psalm 56 ends with that ringing tone. This I know, God is for Mm me. And I'm convinced, you know, I can ask Paul later, but I'm convinced Paul was actually thinking of Psalm 56 when he wrote those words, if God be for me. It's a wonderful assurance to know that God is for me. Mm you know, in whatever circumstance. So that's Psalm uh, 56. Um, Psalm 72 uh, is another hugely messianic psalm quoted in the New Testament uh, about the rule and reign and and kingdom of Messiah and the continuation of uh, the Davidic covenant uh, and so on. Yeah. What is maybe one thing that we as a congregation can do as we get ready to study the Psalms with you and, and to hear the word preached? Well, I have, a, of course, a, a, a little audience with the daily devos uh, that, Beck, you will be all too familiar with because you're the one who helps me record them every week. Uh, and currently we are in the Book of Psalms as an entirety, but, you know, we're only talking two or three minutes. I mean, every day, mm, let me back up, not every day, but, but, but frequently in the course of a week, I'll get two or three responses from people in the congregation, or as was the case this morning, uh, a phone call from someone I've never met who's in the Navy, based in currently in New Orleans, but listens to the Daily Devos first thing every morning. Wow. And uh, he just wanted to thank me for them and how these have become his kind of quiet time uh, aid every day. And I think to myself, you know, I've created this monster nine months ago and I can't put the genie back in the bottle I'm mixing my metaphors here but you know I, I this is probably something that's going to continue into the future now and um, I love doing them I often think after I've finished my devos and you you will know back more than anyone else how quickly these are done <laughs> uh, with no retakes at the end of it all I think to myself oh my goodness is, there, is anybody actually listening to these <laughs> Uh, but evidently they are. And um, if this instills in the congregation uh, a sort of devotion, because the Psalms are about worship. I mean, every one of them is a, a worship song at the end of the day. And up until the last 
couple of hundred years, they have exclusively been the praise songs that Christians have used and, and before that Jews have used to praise God. Uh, and, and, and so they have an enormous value uh, in teaching us how to worship personally, individually, but also how to worship corporately as a congregation. You know, we often sing psalms. We don't announce them. This is Psalm 46. They're just hymn 416, but it's Isaac Watts' rendition of Psalm 46 mm. or whatever. Um, and so Presbyterians and, and certainly our church, we have a long-standing tradition with the Psalms. And the associate, uh, I mean the reformed part of our ARP name, goes back to exclusive psalm-singing Presbyterians in the 16th and 17th century. I've always loved the book of Psalms. Uh, maybe you've had something to do with that over the last few years, uh, but I'm looking forward to this next series. Is there anything else you'd like to say on either of these topics, the congregational meeting or the next sermon series before we finish out? Not really. I, I, I mean, I would just urge our, our dear folk to, to pray that we'll just get through this season. You know, what we're experiencing here is what people are experiencing everywhere. I have dear friends all over the world in I text frequently with an elder in a church in Singapore. They're exactly where we are, and identically where mm. we are in, wow. in every conceivable way. Will we, as a, as a church, First Presbyterian Church, but also church worldwide, will we learn from this season? And what is it that we will learn? Because we definitely need to learn the lessons that God has been teaching us. My fear is that the country at large has learned nothing. Mm. that's my fear and uh, that this season that should have been a season for repentance and contrition will in the end turn to be a curse uh, for missed opportunities for mm. repentance mm. there certainly is much to be in prayer about and thankful for a God who always hears those prayers and thank you so much for your time and Troy thanks for hosting us and clicking all the buttons absolutely Dr. Thomas, thank you for sharing your time with us. You're uh, welcome. And, and of course, for being a faithful leader to the flock that God has, has put thank under you. your care. I hope you hear it often, but we're grateful for your leadership uh, and for your work in presenting the good news of Christ. Uh, and thank you to the listener for listening to today's recording. We hope that you continue to be built up as the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Thanks for joining us here on First Focus. If you'd like to stay connected with our show and be made aware of new episodes as they're released, download our app, FPC Cola, on the App Store or Google Play. We hope that you'll join us again next time. I'm Troy Cash, and until then, God bless.
church, we have a long-standing tradition with the Psalms and the associate, uh, I mean the reformed part of our ARP name uh, goes back to exclusive psalm singing Presbyterians in the 16th and 17th century. Well, thank you. I, uh, I've always loved the book of Psalms. Uh, maybe you've had something to do with that over the last few years, uh, but I'm looking forward to this next series. Is there anything else you'd like to say on either of these topics, the congregational meeting or the next sermon series before we finish out? Uh, not really. I, I, I mean, I would just urge our, our dear folk to, to pray that we'll just get through this season. Um, you know, what we're experiencing here is what people are experiencing everywhere. I have dear friends all over the world. And uh, I text frequently with an elder in a church in Singapore. They're exactly where we are and identically where mm. we are in, wow. in every conceivable way. Uh, and and so uh, you know, will we as a as a church, First Presbyterian Church, but also church worldwide, will we learn from this season? And what is it that we will learn? Because we definitely need to learn the lessons that God has been teaching us. My fear is that the country, at large, has learned nothing. Mm. That's my fear. And uh, that this season, that should have been a season for repentance and contrition, will in the end turn to be a curse uh, for missed opportunities for mm. repentance. Mm. Well, there certainly is much to be in prayer about and thankful for a God who always hears those prayers. And thank you so much for your time. And Troy, thanks for hosting us and clicking all the buttons. Absolutely. Um, Dr. Thomas, thank you for sharing your time with us. You're Uh, welcome. And and of course, for being a faithful leader to the flock that God has has put under your care. Um, I hope you hear it often, but we're grateful for your leadership uh, and for your work in presenting the good news of Christ to his people. Uh, And thank you to the listener for listening to today's recording. We hope that you continue to be built up as the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ.
church, we have a long-standing tradition with the Psalms. And the associate, uh, I mean, the reformed part of our ARP name uh, goes back to exclusive psalm singing Presbyterians in the 16th and 17th century. Well, thank you. I, uh, I've always loved the book of Psalms. Uh, maybe you've had something to do with that over the last few years, uh, but I'm looking forward to this next series. Is there anything else you'd like to say on either of these topics, the congregational meeting or the next sermon series before we finish out? Uh, not really. I, I, I mean, I would just urge our, our dear folk to, to pray that we'll just get through this season. Um, you know, what we're experiencing here is what people are experiencing everywhere. I have dear friends all over the world. And uh, I text frequently with an elder in a church in Singapore. They're exactly where we are and identically where mm. we are in, wow. in every conceivable way. Uh, and and so uh, you know, will we as a as a church, First Presbyterian Church, but also church worldwide, will we learn from this season? And what is it that we will learn? Because we definitely need to learn the lessons that God has been teaching us. My fear is that the country at large has learned nothing. Mm. That's my fear. And uh, that this season, that should have been a season for repentance and contrition, will in the end turn to be a curse uh, for missed opportunities for mm. repentance. Mm. Well, there certainly is much to be in prayer about and thankful for a God who always hears those prayers. And thank you so much for your time. And Troy, thanks for hosting us and clicking all the buttons. Absolutely. Um, so, Dr. Thomas, thank you for sharing your time with us. You're uh, welcome. And, and of course, for being a faithful leader to the flock that God has, has put thank under you. your care. Um, you. I hope you hear it often, but we're grateful for your leadership uh, and for your work in presenting the good news of Christ to his people. Uh, and thank you to the listener for listening to today's recording. We hope that you continue to be built up as the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ.